we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Psychologically, we are one. Unless human beings deeply realise this, we are going to have wars. We are going to be eternally in conflict. Hello and welcome to episode 125 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of carefully chosen extracts from the philosopher's talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is war and killing. Upcoming themes are actuality, aggression and ideals. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit our website at kfoundation.org where you can find a growing collection of in-depth articles on Krishnamurti's teachings, along with key topics and a wide selection of quotes. Our online store stocks all available Krishnamurti books and ships worldwide. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review where you listen to podcasts. This helps its visibility. This week's episode on war and killing has five sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's first talk in Bombay, 1984, titled What is the Cause of Wars? There is a war, threatening war, nuclear war. Recently, some scientists, top scientists, have met and issued certain statement saying if there is a nuclear war, the whole Earth, the whole Earth, not just Europe or America or Russia, the whole Earth will be covered with dust and smoke so thick that the sun cannot get through. And the, the temperature will fall below, below five degrees below zero. So nothing will exist. That's what is what they are all talking about, preparing, arguing. And also there are minor wars going on. And these wars have been going on for five to six thousand years. One started with an arrow or a club, now you have got the extraordinary destructive nuclear bomb. 
What is the cause of all this? You understand? What is the cause why human beings are behaving like this? The intellectuals, the philosophers, the scientists, and the so-called religious people, who are not really religious at all, what is the cause of all this mess in the world? Don't wait for me to answer it. You are asking that question yourself. Why is it that human beings who have lived on this earth according to genetics and biologists, 45 to 50,000 years we have lived on this earth as a Homo sapiens. And from the very beginning we have been in conflict with each other, killing each other, maiming each other, hurting each other, competing with each other. Right? Conflict, struggle, pain, anxiety, loneliness, suffering. And we are so extraordinarily clever in the technological world, developing most extraordinary instruments in surgery, communication, computers and so on, and we have not solved our human behaviour. You understand? Why? Yes, sir, this is a very serious question. Why we human beings who are so capable going to the moon with all the extraordinary technological world that's going on, and yet we are primitive, savages, tribal gods and tribal instincts. What's wrong with us? You understand? I'm not criticizing. I'm not blaming anybody. But it's a natural question every decent human being must ask. What is wrong with us? Right? Why are there wars? Pakistan and India, Russia and America and so on. Why? What are the causes of it? If you find the cause, then it's easy to remove the effect. Right? You're following what I mean? If I have a disease, and the cause is cancer, and it causes regular pain, either it can be removed and, or I die. But where there is a cause, that cause the, whose effect can be ended, right? Is this clear? Where there is a cause, 
the effect can be ended, because the cause can be ended. Clear? Is this clear? What is the cause of these wars, these appalling things that are going on in the world? Probably most of you don't know about it. They don't print everything in the papers. The speaker has talked to a great many scientists and so on, and we are not told what exactly is going on – chemical warfare, all the rest of it. Now, what is the cause of all this? Is it division? National division, religious division, individual against other individuals, which is division, separation. You are following on me? Or am I talking to myself? You understand what I am saying? One family is against another family. In the family itself there is division. There is division between the Arab and the Jew. There is division between Catholic and the Protestant. There is division between you, the Hindu, and the Muslim. Yeah? The Christian, the Buddhist, the Zen. The whole world is fragmented, broken up. Is that the cause of? All this mess. You understand my question? That where there is division between communities, between people, between countries, between various gurus, various religions, there must be conflict. Right? You understand this? Where there is division, there must be conflict. That's a law. Right? Is that the cause of these terrible wars that are going, going on? The conflict that exists in each one of us? What? The competition against each other? Division. Right? Economically, racially, socially, so called culturally, everything brings about a division. Right? Now, we cannot do anything with governments. They are set. They have been unfortunately elected. You can't deal with them. The speaker has tried various, met various people, but they are, there they are. So what can we do, you and I? You understand my question? You cannot deal with, with the most powerful people, like the presidents 
and so on. You cannot deal with them. They are at that level. They have their responsibilities, they want power, you know, all the rest of that. So we are asking what you, as a human being, living on this earth, seeing all this is happening, what can you do? Please ask this question. What's your action? Not your theories. The Indians are pretty good at theories. Right? You are very good in explanation, in analysis, in finding out the cause, and there you leave it, which has nothing whatsoever to do with your daily life. Right? You believe in God, or you believe in some guru, or you believe in some philosophy. But that belief has no actuality in life. Right? This is a fact. I'm not saying something of norm. This is a fact. So we are asking, what is your responsibility as a human being facing all this? What's your action? Most of us want to escape from it. Most of us feel we cannot solve it. Therefore, we escape. Escaping tribal gods. You know all that's happening in this country or in Europe. Drugs, religious entertainments, and the entertainment industry is enormously powerful. The cinemas, the magazines, the gods, their rituals, right? Two gods—is it two gods marrying each other? In this country. So there is either escape or you face actualities, face facts. When you face facts, what's your action? Now, together we are going to find out, right? Together, not I tell you and you listen, or disagree or agree, then that is too silly, it becomes childish. But if you and I observe the same thing, live the same thing daily, then it has a tremendous power. Not power in the sense political power, power of doing the right thing. Right? Are we together now so far? We are saying, asking, what is the cause? 
of this war of wars. One of the factors of war is nationalism. Right? Which is tribalism. You may not agree or agree, please quietly listen. Tribalism, right? which has become glorified nationalism with its flags and so on. The British, the French, the Hindu, the Indian, you follow? Divided, divided, divided. We are saying one of the causes of war is nationalism. That's obvious. Other cause is economic division. Each country concerned with its own economy. And with its own culture. The British with their and the French and so on. And the other cause is the division in religion. The Christian, the Buddhist, the Hindu, Islam. And they all talk about God. Right? So these and perhaps others are the causes of war. And you, as a Hindu or a Christian or whatever it is, are responsible for the war. Right? Because in yourself you are divided. Agree? Do you see this fact? As long as I am a Hindu, committed to a certain tradition and following some, if you will excuse me, some silly gods, playing with toys called gods, I, as a Hindu, am responsible for creating conflict amongst human beings. Is this a fact or not? It's a fact. You may not agree, but you may not see the fact. But this is what is the causing wars. Now, what's your responsibility? To be free of nationalism. Right? To be free, to look at the world as a whole humanity, not as Indian and American and so on. We are human beings. Right? To, to look at the world globally with as human beings. The second extract is from the first talk in New Delhi, 1965, titled 
Is there such thing as a righteous war? It is only in peace that when that a human being can flower in goodness, not in war, not in violence, not in disorder, but only when there is a deep abiding peace. And to understand this whole phenomena of hate, <coughs> destruction and disorder, one has to inquire, not merely intellectually, because such inquiry is, is futile and worthless, has no meaning whatsoever, but actually inquire what order means, what violence means, and the significance of peace. To inquire non-verbally, non-intellectually, which really has very little meaning, because most of us have read or indulged in theories what peace should be, how to get rid of violence, how to establish order. Books have been written about it, volumes. Man, when the first war took place 5,500 years ago, in recorded history, must have hoped that that would be the last war. And we are still at it. And so there must be something radically wrong, destructive in human beings, who divide themselves into nationalities, break up their minds into fragments as religious sects with dogmas, beliefs, politics, into classes, divisions of every kind, and thereby hope to bring about peace and order. So apparently after these thousands upon thousand years, we have not found peace. As we said, there have been 14,600 wars. That means two and a half wars every year. And yet we are going on living in this same stupid, destructive manner, hating each other, calling each other names, labelling ourselves as Hindus, Muslims, Sikhs, Russians, Communists, and so on. So when you look at all this dispassionately, factually, not emotionally, 
or in any way prejudiced, but regard it as a fact, not interpret it according to your particular like and dislike, according to your favourite war which you call righteous or unfavourite war which you call which you deny as evil. But look at it as a phenomena, as something animalistic, which must be solved by each human being, because war, violence, disorder, along that path there is no peace. Do what you will. The peace there is an interval between two calamities, two wars, two destructions. So one has to find a new way of living, not theoretically, not discuss everlastingly about it, but actually in our daily life find a way to live totally differently, which means a total revolution in our ways of thinking, living, feeling. Unless we discover that for ourselves as human beings, we shall never find order, peace and a state of mind that can flower in goodness. So we are not indulging in words, in theories, what should be, what must be, but actually what is. Because it's only when you are capable of facing the fact, then you can do something about it. But if we refuse to face the facts, then we get completely lost in opinions. And opinions, however clever, however erudite, however dialectical, has very little meaning when you are confronted with facts of hate, disorder, violence. And that's what we are faced with now throughout the world. The war that's going on in Vietnam, it's your war, my war, the war that has been in this country along the border. Man has suffered indefinitely, infinitely. And you as a human being, who have lived for so many millennia. You and I as human beings, not as Hindus, 
not as Christians, not as a communist and it is Muhammad or a whatever you call oneself, but as human beings <coughs> who have to find order. Because order is necessary, not only within but outwardly. And it's one of the most difficult things to find this order. Because that word, the word order, has <laughs> extraordinary depth if you go into it, has extraordinary significance if you can unravel, if you can look into it deeply. Without order, not according to your order or my order, or according to the politicians or this or person or that person, but the word itself has extraordinary significance and extraordinary depth. If you can, if we can go into it, and that's what we are going to do together. We are not doing any propaganda. I have a horror of propaganda. I am not trying to convert you to any belief, to any dogma, to any way of life. That would be too stupid. But what we are trying to do is to point out, investigate, talk things over together as two human beings confronted with this enormous complex problem. And if you cannot look at it dispassionately, then we shall live as human beings another five thousand years fighting each other tearing each other's hearts out, destroying each other. <coughs> and it's very strange. All the ancient teachers have talked about peace, not to hate another, to be kind, to be generous, to be forgiving. All that has been overthrown throughout the world. And as this country, which is supposed to be so old and ancient and full of wisdom, which is non existent at the present time, that tradition, not practiced by politicians or the semi-political saints, but that reality where you must not hurt another, 
Well, you must love another. All that has been set aside and as human beings you and I have to find out for ourselves a new way of living, a new order, the ending of violence. Therefore, bring about in ourselves, outwardly as well as inwardly, peace. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's talk at the United Nations, New York, 1984, titled, If There Is No Security in Our Relationships, That is the beginning of war. So is there psychological security, either in the family, in a group, in a community, in a nation, and internationalism and all that business? Is there any kind of security inwardly? And that is, if we are not sure about that, certain, clear, we try to seek security outwardly, externally, through nations, through religious organizations, through some ideologies. So it's very important, it seems to one, that we should talk over together now and discover for ourselves if there is an inner security. Security in our relationships with each other, however intimate it may be, with man and woman, security in community, and so on. Is there security in, re- in our relationship with each other, man and woman, wife and husband? If there is security, why is there such Contention between man and woman, wife and husband, such conflict in their relationship, each one pursuing his own ambitions, his own fulfilment, his own desires, and so on. Is it not important to find out for ourselves? If there is such security in relationship, if there is such security in this, then that security is the beginning of peace. If there is no security in our relationship, 
with each other. That's the beginning of conflict, war. So we ought to really seriously inquire into this question. That is, become aware, conscious of our relationship with each other. Because to go very far, we must begin very near. And the very the nearest is man and woman, wife and husband. In that relationship there is conflict as there is now, then that conflict is spread, ultimately war. We have never given thought to this, that as our house is burning, which is society, is burning, declining, degenerating, are we also degenerating? To to slide, slip down? implies our whole life is a a routine, our whole life is a series of battles, struggles, conflicts. If we don't alter there, how can you bring about peace on earth? It seems so logical, so rational, sane. But we don't do that. So could could we, as human beings, not as Americans and all the rest of that business, could we as human beings become aware, pay attention to, our our intimate relationship. Because unless the the psychological world is quiet, sane, peaceful, that psychological state will always overcome every kind of organization, whether it be communist organization, totalitarian, or so-called democratic organization. The psyche is far more important than the external legislation, governments and so on. I wonder if one realizes all this. Do we sitting here peaceful so called peacefully realize our responsibility as human beings? 
the wars that are going on in the world is our war. Because our consciousness, if I can go into all this much more deeply, our human consciousness, which is made up of biological reactions, fears, hurts, pleasure, beliefs, dogmas, rituals, an endless suffering. That's our co- the content of our consciousness. That's a, if you observe this closely, it's a fact that every human being throughout the world shares this. Every human being suffers. Every human being has fear. pleasure, sense of loneliness, despair, anxiety, confusion, every human being, whether they live in the Far East or here or in Russia or in other places. We have been brought up, educated, to consider ourselves as individuals. Is that so? Is that a fact? Because we share the consciousness of humanity, because we all suffer. We all go through great agonies, boredom, every form of uncertainty. You may have great talents, great capacities, but behind those capacities lies the the ordinary daily consciousness of all humanity. So each one is humanity, not separate individuals. You know, you will not accept this, because you have been conditioned from the beginning by religions, by society, by culture, that each one is separate individual, separate soul. And therefore he must seek his own salvation, his own expression, his own fulfilment. And this so-called separate individuality is creating havoc in the world, which does not mean that we all become the same automatic, turned out in the same mould. On the contrary, freedom is the highest form of existence. It's the greatest art to live freely. But we are not free. 
one thinks one is free to do what one likes, especially in this country, each individual thinks he is supreme to do what he wants. his own fulfilment, the expression of his own desires, and so on. But if you examine closely (coughs) and seriously, uh, we share the consciousness of the entire humanity. Because this is a fact. Individuality may be an illusion. And to that illusion we are committed. But when you travel around, observe very closely, every human being whether he has great position, great deal of money, status, power, he is like the rest of the world psychologically. He goes through great pain, (coughs) desperate loneliness, and all the rest of the psychological world of uncertainty, confusion. And we are the rest of humanity. We are not Africans and Europeans and all that nonsense. We are humanity. Unless we realise that one major fact in our life We are the rest of humanity, black, white or purple or whatever colour they be. Psychologically we are one. Unless human beings deeply realise that, we are going to have wars, we are going to be eternally in conflict, as we are now. And no organization in the world is going to change that fact. <coughs> we have had religions all over, various types of religion, Catholic, the Protestant, and the division in Protestantism. There have been religions of various types in Asia, all invented by thought. And thought has made man separate. Because thought is the result of experience, knowledge, memory, and so thought is always limited. 
It's never complete. It can never be complete. Because it's based on knowledge. And knowledge is always finite, limited. It can expand. It can change, but it's still within the field of knowledge. And knowledge is always limited. And we try to change the world through our knowledge. And this experiment to change the world through knowledge has never succeeded. So, what is a human being to do? If you are serious, concerned with the world, with your own life, what is a human being to do? Form innumerable organizations? (coughs) With their bosses, with their secretaries, and so on? Or Each one of us is responsible, because we have created this society. We are responsible for every kind of war. So is it possible? Not merely intellectually, but actually, in our daily life, radically change, bring about a <clears throat> deep mutation, unless we are capable of doing that, we are going to have perpetual war. No organization in the world has prevented any wars for the last historical process. There have been practically wars every year for the last five, six thousand years all over the world. And man has been responsible for this war. You may not have a war in America, in this part of the world, but you have wars in other parts of the world. Because we are divided as Americans and Russians and English and French and all the rest of it. Not only nationally, but religiously. Christians, Buddhists, Hindus, So this constant division both outwardly and inwardly is bringing about great conflict. We are one human being, not separate. We don't seem to realize that. 
you suffer, you go through great anxieties, uncertainties, but so does every other human being in the world. And we haven't been able to solve that basic issue, whether we can live with ourselves peacefully. Peace doesn't begin on the other side of the world, whether we live peacefully. Without conflict, and I think this is a very important question, which we must put to ourselves: Why is it that human beings who have lived on this earth perhaps fifty thousand years, we have, <coughs> we have done extraordinary things technologically? We have done practically nothing in our relationship with each other. We are perpetually in conflict with each other, man and woman. <clears throat> and that this conflict is extended into war. So we are asking the most fundamental question. Why do human beings who have lived on this earth for so many millennia, <coughs> who have done extraordinary things technologically, who have brought about good health for people, We've done most incredible things externally, but inwardly we are savages. Forgive me that use of that word. We are fighting each other, even our in our most intimate relationships. So how can one have external peace in the world, Archimedes, if one is not peaceful in oneself? We never answer that question. We're always trying to bring changes in the outer, but we never ask. Of ourselves, why we live this way, perpetually in conflict. Fairly obvious when you ask that question. Seriously, not casually. We never spend a day. Trying to find out why we live this way. We have been a vast network of escapes 
from this basic fact, and was still going on. We never seem to realize, unless each one of us fundamentally changes radically, there'll be no peace on earth as long as you're an American and a Russian, different ideologies, different concepts, different gods, and so on, will never have peace on this earth. So it behoves us, and each one of us, to find out why we live this way, and whether it's possible, radically, to change our whole cycle. If there is not a revolution there, mere outward revolutions have very little meaning. We've had communist revolution, French revolution, other forms of revolution throughout the world, and we remain what we are, self-centred, cruel, all the rest of it. The fourth extract is from the second question and answer meeting in Sarnen, 1982, titled How Can I Not Contribute to War? I have lived in the forest, close to nature. There is no violence there, but in the outer world is the real jungle. How, how am I to live in it? without becoming part of it, part of its competition, brutality, violence and cruelty. First, how easy it is to live by yourself in a wood. I tell my friend I have done it without any boast or anything. It is natural. I've done it. It's very easy because you are not related to anybody. You look at the trees, the rivers, the plant, they, they invite you to look at them. The more you look at a tree, the more beautiful it becomes. The shadow, the leaves fluttering in the wind. There is no, it doesn't demand anything of you. You are enjoying yourself, listening to the birds, to the sound of water, to the lovely clear morning. And one is tempted to live like that forever. But you can't. Even there, 
If you live in a forest, you are related to somebody or something. You are related to the man who brings you milk. So there is always, even though one is a hermit, you are always living in a certain kind of relationship with another. And if you are a neurotic saint, then it becomes very easy. Most saints are neurotic. And then they give you food, clothes, and all the rest of it. So, when one enters the world, the trouble begins. The world which human beings have created. Not only the past generation upon generation which has created this society, but also all of us are contributing to it. When you buy a stamp, when you post a letter, you are contributing to all. When you take the train, you are contributing to all. So you might say, I won't take train, a train, I won't post a letter, I won't telephone, I won't pay taxes, and so on. Taxes are rather difficult. The government will be after you if you have money. So what will you do? Withdraw completely, not write letter, not travel? You understand, sir, this is the question has been put to the speaker often. See, you are against war, peace and so on, but you are contributing to it. By travelling all over the world. So where shall I stop? You understand? Not write letter, not travel, not do all the things that are contributory, that give help war. Or do you ask much more fundamental question, which is, why does war exist at all? Why? As man, who is so-called civilized, so-called educated, why does he support killing another, another human being? So, what is the fundamental question there? Is it nationality? Is this this whole idea of isolation, national iso- isolation, individual isolation? 
communal isolation. When I put on a monk's robe or a different kind of robe, I am isolating myself. So is isolation the cause of war? Obviously. When I say I am British, you are French, you are this, you are that, I am isolating myself. I have a long tradition as a British or an Indian. If I am an Indian, I have much more ancient tradition, which is isolating me. So, any form of isolation must contribute to war. Which war being not only killing each other, but the conflict with each other. Right? Now, seeing all that, which requires intelligence, not just vague utopian idea, seeing that, the perception of this fact that where there is isolation of any kind, belonging to one group against another group, one sect against another, one uniform of purple, yellow, isolated. These are the actual contribute, contribute to isolation and therefore inevitable conflict. To perceive that, to see the truth of it, requires intelligence, not say, I agree with it, and do nothing about it. But when I see the truth of it, that very perception is the action of intelligence. Right? So with that intelligence, I enter the world. But see, that intelligence which has no cause, that love that has no cause, compassion obviously cannot have a cause. With that beauty, with that clarity, with that energy, I meet. I meet the world which is brutal. I act from that love. Or rather, that love that has no cause acts. I may be a beggar, or a very good technician, but the quality of that can never enter the world of ambition, brutality, violence. The final extract in this episode is from the second question and answer meeting in Ojai, 1984, titled Can We Live Without Bringing Suffering or Death? I always want to live on this earth without harm or destruction to its beauty, without bringing suffering and death to others. 
Have you ever asked this question? Actually, not theoretically, but actually put that question and face it. Don't run away from it, not explain it's necessary and all all the rest, but look at it, confront it. Have you ever asked such a question? Not en masse, make a demonstration against some politicians who want to do, destroy a national park or this or that, to ask such a question. It means you are you're burning with it, which is something tremendously real, not just a fanciful question past the time of day. To live on this earth with its extraordinary beauty and not to destroy it and to end sorrow and not kill another not kill another human being, not kill a living human thing. There are those people in India, a certain sect, they their transportation is walk. They take no trains, no aeroplanes, no carriages, nothing but walk. And they put on a mask, not to kill an insect by breathing. You understand? There's a whole group of them. Some of that group came to see the speaker, and they walked 800 miles from April to January, and never taking any transportation except walking. And they won't kill. And there are those who kill. Kill for sport, kill for amusement, kill for profit, the whole meat industry, right? Destroy the earth to dump poisonous gas, you know, that was happening in this country. Pollute the air, the waters, and pollute each other. This is what we are doing to to the earth and to ourselves. And the question asks, can we live on this earth 
and with its great beauty, not bring suffering to others or death. It's a very, very serious question, this. To live a life without causing suffering to others or causing death to others, that means not killing a human being, not killing any animal for sport, for your food. You understand all this? This is the question. There were a certain class of people in India at a certain time. They, saw, they never ate meat. They think killing was wrong. They were called at that time Brahmins. And the Western civilization has never inquired into whether killing is right, whether killing any living thing is justified, you'd say. The Western world has destroyed whole races of people, right? This country. Destroy the Indians of this country. Wipe them out because they wanted land in all the right. So can we live on this earth without killing? Without war? I can answer it. But what value has it to you? Because you are killing. I'm not advocating vegetarianism. Some author wrote the other some time ago, which a cutting was sent to me. He wrote saying, vegetarianism is spreading like some foul disease in this country. Even if you, you kill a cabbage, right? So where do you draw the line? Right? Do you make a problem of it? You understand my question? If you are against war, as certain human beings, including myself, against war, killing other human beings under whatever reason, then you cannot post a letter, right? The stamp you buy, the food you get, 
all that part of it goes to defence, armament. You buy petrol and gas in this country, you part of that goes right? Your taxes, part of it goes to and so on, so on. So what will you do? If you don't pay taxes, you're fined or sent to jail. If you don't buy stamp, you can't write letters. You can't travel, right? You following all this? It amuses you. So you drive yourself into a corner. And living in a corner seems rather futile. So what will you do? You, if you say, I won't travel, I won't write letter, all this helps to maintain army and navy and armaments, national, blah. You follow the whole racket of it. Or would you approach it differently? Why do we kill? Religions, especially Christianity, has killed probably more people on earth. They have tortured people, called them heretics, burned them. You know the history of it. So on. Muslims have done it, the Islamic world has done it. Probably the Hindus and the Buddhists are the only people. Religious, religion forbid. How can one live on this earth without killing another? And causing suffering for another? To go into this question very deeply, really, it's a very, very serious question. Is there that quality of love that answers this question? If you love another, if you love another human being, are you willing to kill that human being? Hmm? Will you then kill anything? Except you need certain food, vegetables and so on, nuts and so on, milk. But apart from that, would you kill anything? Go into all these questions, sir, and live it, for God's sake, don't talk about it. What is dividing the world is ideals, the ideology of one group against another group. This eternal division, apparently everlasting division between man, man, woman and so on. 
They have tried to bridge this through logic, through reason, through various institutions and foundations and organizations, and they have not succeeded in any way. This is a fact. Knowledge has not solved this problem either. Knowledge, in the sense of accumulated experience and so on. And thought has not certainly solved this problem. So there is only one issue out of it. To to discover or find out what is love. Love is not desire, love is not possession, love is not selfish, egocentric activity. Me first and you second. And apparently that love has no meaning to most people. They may write books about it. But she has no meaning. So, if they had that quality, that perfume, that fire, that compassion, and compassion has its intelligence, that is the supreme intelligence. When there is that intelligence which is born of compassion and love, then all these problems will be solved simply, quietly. But we never pursue the question to the very end. We may pursue it intellectually, verbally, but to do it with your heart, with your mind, with your passion behind it. Then the earth will remain beautiful. And then your own. There is a great sense of beauty in oneself. 